let's keep going through a couple of these. Uh, I, I found number two to be pretty interesting because um, I've seen this both be beneficial and also be a hindrance. I want to get your thoughts on it. So commandment number two says, grow your own people. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of people want to work at companies where they have an opportunity for upward advancement, right? And you're investing in people by employing them and they're going to get a perspective, uh, that that's unique from hiring outside. Um, so, but you can also get somebody who has a lack of experience, a lack of exposure to how things are done. Uh, and there are times where, I've seen people be very benefited by bringing in outside expertise. Um, and especially in the context of hypergrowth, the company might outgrow people's ability to grow with them. So I, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. When is a company, should you say, hey, this person's been with us for a long time, let's keep them there? And when do you say, okay, we got to get somebody who's experienced this before and bring them in? It, and, and that's a delicate one because, again, we're in a relationship business. And so many of our companies, we are family-owned businesses, and we're built on, and those relationships, these are employees that helped us get started, and, and we want them to have an opportunity. We want them to grow with us. And, you know, and that human capital, when we think about growth, human capital is as important of a piece of, human, of, of growth as, as anything else because... Uh, you know, one of the groups I was working with, um, we have a small call center, about 10 people, had a great um, manager that was running that team. The business started to pick up pace. We projected that within 90 days that we would be at about 40 to 50 agents in that call center. And as we evaluated that call center manager, I met again with the ownership team and said, 90 days from now, I think we're going to need another resource running that team. And it's, again, not a fault of the manager. It's just I don't think that we're going to be able to, um, she's not going to be able to grow that quickly because someone who's good at running a team of five or 10 is not necessarily good at running a team of 50. Uh, there are different skill sets that are involved here. And even though she had institutional knowledge and a relationship there said, we need to think through this. We want to find a place where they can be successful here with us. Well, we grew. And within 90 days, we were at 50 agents. And within 90 days, that individual had gone to the owners and said, I can't do this anymore. And, and they, in that case, give a lot of credit. They realized that they did not have the tools there. Now, we were able to find an opportunity there. So again, growth, organic growth, um, you know, is great. I mean, one of the growth points within every organization is the call center, because every other department comes and picks off their best people because of the knowledge. They understand the customers, uh, they understand the business processes, the policies and procedures that a company has in place. They see the transaction in the end. And so that's a benefit. And so, yeah, we do want to grow our own people. We want them, and we should be investing in training and mentoring programs, um, expanding their understanding of what we're doing, giving them opportunities to work in other departments. Uh, the other one, though, that you always think about is, um, do we have the right people on the bus? Uh, one, uh, you know, a, a group I was working with, we were growing so fast that if you could walk through the door and not trip on the threshold, you got hired. Uh, we just needed to be able to put bodies 
on the phone because the growth was occurring so quickly and we weren't taking the time to ask the question, are we getting the right people on the bus? So we grow our own people, but we need to ensure that we're hiring the right people and that we're then instilling a culture within them as to what our vision is, why we're doing this. And we're not doing this for money. We're doing this because we have a core purpose. You know, there, there are companies, you look at a company such as um, Slack, which is a great company, startup, you look at what they do, they're growing a business, but their core purpose is, is they exist to simplify busy lives. And that's what they do, and that's what they associate with. So as we sit here about growing our people, um, you know, we've got to realize that we're going to grow. And at first, we might have a more centralized organization, but as we grow, uh, we go from centralized down to more of specialized teams that can handle tasks. And then there comes a point in time where we have to go outside and we've got to bring in industry-specific expertise or um, process-specific expertise to, to really head up a team. Yeah, that makes sense. And, it, and I think that that is one of the hardest decisions and, and hardest things to be objective about because you work with these people, right? And you get to like them or, or even potentially dislike them and they might be the right person, right? Uh, and, and to be able to set that aside and, and to be honest with yourself and, and especially to help those people be honest with themselves, right? Because, you know, I, I liked your example of, of the woman in the call center who it didn't mean she had to go somewhere else, but it meant that, hey, let's find a place that her strengths align with what the company needs. Um, so commandment number three is be at the cutting edge. In uh, this one also, you know, like any list like this, you, you think of maybe the exceptions to that. I'm curious what, what your take is on being at the cutting edge. Uh, cutting edge, I, I love this one because what this says is, um, we have to know our audience. We have to, because by knowing our audience, and, and that means we have to know our distributor base, we have to know our customers. What is it that our customers want from us? What that allows us to do is to have a focus, a clarity, and it gives us a strength in our message and in who we are as a business. And, and knowing who we're dealing with uh, is can't be negotiable. This is who we are and who we service and how we do that. So what does it mean to know your distributors, know your customers? We've got to know, what do they want? I mean, let's take, talk about a customer. Um, what do they want from our product? What are the, you know, what, is, what are the value proposition associated with our product that is a compelling reason for them to purchase that? And at what price are they willing to do that? And we then look at what is the life cycle of a customer? What would we expect them, uh, how long to, to participate in terms of, and what can we do to ensure some stickiness in that relationship with them? We then have to know our distributors and, and talk about what type of people, as we look at those who are gonna go out and sell our products and represent you know, th this product suite uh, to a customer, what types of distributors do we want? And so in terms of being at the cutting edge, I mean, there's um, business intelligence that we've got to go out. And this goes back to doing our homework before we even get started, really having that plan of a customer base, a plan of a distributor base, looking at products and how products fit within that. And when new products present themselves, being willing to say no, 
you know, we can have a great product presentation given to us, but does it fit within that vision? And we have to be able to say no, even though our top distributors come in and said, guess what? I've got this friend who's, you know, come up with it. And so, you know, when I talk about cutting edge, it's really, um, you know, who are we dealing with? What do they want? Uh, what is the business intelligence associated with it? Do I understand, you know, because any relationship is a learning relationship based on every action or inaction on the part of a customer or distributor, I as the company should learn uh, about that relationship. And I'm trying to learn as much as I can about that relationship. And so when I talk about be at cutting edge, be there in terms of uh, understanding the wants and needs of a customer base. Yeah, and I've got a, a couple thoughts on that because I almost like to, upon hearing what you've said and also thinking about this, I almost wanted to say be at the right cutting edge. Yeah. Because a couple of things come to mind. First of all, you might be at the cutting edge by virtue of who, who you're partnering with, right? Uh, and I've seen this kill companies as well where, you know, they're in the health and wellness business, right? And now all of a sudden they take over their own IT system and now they're in the IT business. And do they want to be at the cutting edge of health and wellness or do they need to be at the cutting edge of IT? Uh, and, and knowing your audience and knowing what drives your, your people, that can be a big mistake. And it may be better to be at the cutting edge by virtue of who you're partnering with. So now I've outsourced the responsibility of cutting edge uh, to a partner. And, and another example of this, years and years ago, I did an interview uh, for, for MLM.com. Uh, and we were talking to uh, one of the owners or one of the executives that used to work at Meadowfresh. Uh, and she talked about one of the mistakes that they made was, was losing sight of this and taking on too much. And that they at one point bought a printing press so that they could do their own promotional material, own labeling, own everything. And she said, now all of a sudden, we're in the printing press business that we know nothing about. Now we've got to stay on top of that. We've got all this equipment, all of this overhead. She's like, we would have been far better off outsourcing because you think, oh, we can take this money and, and do it better ourselves. But you're not experts in this new area. So, so it can be, I guess that's my thought, is that you need to pick the right cutting edges to be, to be at internally versus outsourcing right i i mean we're a software company but we're not going to create our own messenger or our own version of slack because slack exists it makes more sense to let slack do what slack does and we do what we do uh, absolutely agree and, and that's what and that cut, at the right cutting edge is probably the best way to say that and companies need to understand their area of expertise we're sales and marketing companies. We're product focused. We create part-time and full-time business opportunities for home-based businesses. That's where the opportunity exists to be at the cutting edge. These others now come into aligning yourselves with the right partnerships and deciding where you do or want to take on some operational expertise, but finding others that go out and, and are leaders within their space just like you want to be so let's talk about uh commandment number six build relationship equity 
What does that mean? But th this is the one that um, you know we like. We we're all independent independent beings, and we want to thank you know. But the reality is that we have complete dependence on other links within our chain, and we have to nurture those links. Um, this goes back a little bit to what we talked about earlier. We we've got to have a strategy on the development and the relationship side of those links. They need to be aware of where we are in our business, what's impacting our business, what our projections are. The example you gave about one of the clients recently bringing in, here's a summit, and we bring in the vendor relationships. I mean, that's, that's a beautiful experience that you wanna have. That type of a relationship where you can come to the table because you start to see who the other players are, but you also start to get a vision of others that might need to be brought to the table as well too. You know, because in, in a growth-oriented company, again, hyper-growth, there really isn't the luxury of a five-year plan. That, that doesn't exist. It's how do we survive the next 30 to 90 days, and then six months, and then a year. So we have to shorten up the decision tree so the relationships become all the more important. So you start thinking about what are the relationships that we need to have. Uh, on the finance side, banking is key. Um, you, you know, we've, we've got to understand the risk policies of those that we're associated with. We get into merchant processing, and, and you start looking at now, and given uh, all of the issues, uh, you know, associated with merchant processing, um, you know, we, we've got to make sure that uh, we're fully compliant in, in terms of uh, how we handle. Uh, the, the banking and merchant side is impacted by governmental, you've got regulatory, consumer, there are all types of aspects that we've got to ensure that we're building equity. We look at that value chain. Uh, you know, we grow the value, the whole supply chain grows. And so are we investing in that? Are we bringing on secondary and tertiary uh, lines within this? It's real easy to sit down and go, I've got a relationship with one provider. But if there's any hiccup in their business, guess what? That link in our chain, you know, just broke, and and you know we're impacted by that. And so it's making decisions, uh, realizing that um, you know sometimes the, the, the discussions that we're having are not always comfortable. We've got to get in and have realistic dialogue because the purpose of any operations team is to create value, and our goal is to make dreams come true. We sit here and we think of that home-based business, that individual, their goal, and ours is to make it come true. So we have to have equity in every relationship they have throughout that in, entire you know, chain. And, and that means validating, demonstrating success, questioning and ask, asking the hard question, can they handle the growth? Because distributors ask that of any company, they'll see a little hiccup and go, ooh, can they handle the growth? Are they okay? I've been asked that question so many times do you think they can handle the growth? Well, and it's not always the company. It's somewhere in the chain that one of the links, um, that's where we're looking at the question. So there's, there's a continual assessment and a monitoring that goes on there. And then the flexibility and the ability as a company to adapt to a change in environment. And to, you know, shift happens. So, you know, we hear that expression. We have to be able to, you know, adapt as quickly as the environment changes around us. Great. Now, in the interest of time, I think we're going to try to go kind of a little bit more rapid fire through these last go four. Bring it on, King. Okay. 
So have a good time. This is commandment number seven. Have a good time, even when you're doing serious stuff. Why would you say that that's important? Uh, growth is a team sport, and we have to celebrate wins. When we grow, everybody in the organization grows, and we all, we all need to be able to celebrate and participate in the growth and success of a company. You know, there's an old Quaker maxim that says you can do well by doing good. Yeah. And so any company, if you're sitting here saying, have fun, this is serious business, but we're going to enjoy it, um, we're going to make sure the people within our team that are closest to our customers, that we celebrate uh, their successes. And, um, you know, because the, the growth is, it, it's very much, um, it, you know, it, it's just, it can, again, it can be um, as beautiful as we talk about it, but it's painful. I mean, I spent my first year of my marriage with a new startup, and I spent more time with vendors than I did with my family. And it was to the point that one of, you know, my wife even joked saying, you know, we're probably going to need to name our firstborn after this one individual that you've been spending time with all this past year. And, you know, as, as funny as it was, you know, now the growth associated with that, it was good because we grew that first year. I was given a partnership interest in the company, something I, you know, didn't really expect, but I was given that because of the contribution to it. And so um, was it a lot of fun? It, there was certainly some fun. It was a lot of work, but um, I sat back and looked at it and said, you know what, I, I'm part of this growth. And, I'm, and it's not just an executive team or leadership that's celebrating thus it's everybody within the organization yeah and like you say i mean growth can be exhausting it can be ugly it can be painful and if you don't find a way to have a good time in that it's a recipe for burnout and, and you're burning through that capital okay so number eight create passionate and loyal followers uh i think especially within the mlm industry and i probably shouldn't say especially but uh this is something that, that's so key and you see this in successful companies uh when you go to their events and their conventions and you just feel the passion um so i don't think anybody would argue that that is one of the commandments for growth uh, the question is how do you do it yeah and i think this one really ties a lot back back to our first one whereas there is a vision and, and where there is vision, you know, people will attach, people will start to dream and, and uh, get creative with their life and look uh, to make something better than the environment or circumstances they find themselves in. And so we're stewards of those dreams and of that passion. And so when we talk about, you know, creating these passionate, loyal, you know, followers, you know, um, there's a great book out there called Emotion Marketing. And that's what, you, you know, you look at all the stories that are out there today, and it's not just you're buying a dozen eggs. You're buying a dozen eggs from hens that get massages on a daily basis, and the hens have a name. And we get, and we go out and pick them, and we wear only white cotton. And, you know, there's a story that's associated with these. And, and you know, so as we think about it, we again, we sell product, but we also market, you know, a hope, a dream of someone having a home-based business. And there are things that, you know, so in, in some ways you could say we're dream merchants or some of the companies are because that's, you know, they're, they're showing people what they can do. 
but that's where we've got to be careful because we have to be good stewards over those dreams. It's, we're too casual. We throw out terms that it's simple. It's easy. It's not easy to make $500 a month. You know, it, it, we, we can say it is, but you know, these are people going out and they're working in their warm market. They're out on social media. They're doing things, trying to create this. So we need to do everything that's within our power to support them. And we need to create loyalty architectures and show them, you know, why they're, associated with as a company, what these dreams are. We've got to avoid bureaucracy. I mean, that's something that just, you know, in our policies and in our customer relationship and the interactions that we have, that can exist. And to be quite frank, we've just got to be the best. We've got to be the best. Our products need the best. They need to be priced at the best price point for someone to go out and buy. We've got to be priced at the best price point for someone to be able to sell and represent and make, you know, uh, and, and have an income opportunity. We've got to have the best customer service. You can just go down through so that passionate, loyal followers, you know, they're created when we as an enterprise pursue those things that will let our cons customer base trust in us. And we've got to be about those types of things. I mean, that's probably about as short as I can put it, but th this, is a, this is a great conversation just on its own. No, and I totally agree. And, and uh, I think this is something that, that we need to circle back on uh, because cause that is the goal, right? And, and, and especially in a time where uh, people are so frustrated with dealing with huge conglomerations and, and the, the lack of personal touch uh, in the world. And it, it, we're in a unique place as a, as a, as a, as an industry to be able to, to create that passion and, and that loyalty. Uh, commandment number nine is share the wealth. So I assume that this is talking about uh, being generous and being, um, having some corporate responsibility. Um, give me your thoughts on sharing the wealth. Yeah, yeah this one, and, and when you talk about sharing the wealth, it's an internal and an external. And when we talk about a couple, and, and on both sides, we have to recognize the performers, recognize and reward those people who are uh, responsible and who are participating in the growth and within the true you know, product sales side of a business. Uh, all too often, you know, um, we can, you know, a compensation plan should reward specific behaviors. And we need to ensure, and that's why we continue to analyze and assess, is our plan rewarding the behaviors that we represent and that we want people to perform in order to receive compensation for product sales? And so we sit down and let's recognize those people that are helping drive product sales related activities, both in a field side as well as let's recognize and share that wealth you know, with those that are helping us on an internal basis. That could be, I've worked with companies where there's been a profit sharing plan, where there are monthly um, bonuses. If we achieve, um, and it's not always just growth or things, but it's if we have customer satisfaction indexes that we're hitting, we've got call center performance and there are key metrics there. And so, you know, be willing to sit here and reward those individuals that are contributing to the ongoing, whether it's organic growth or even, you know, a, a hyper growth within an organization, 
we've got to make sure we understand who it is that's really responsible for that. And it's not always the person that is recognized up on stage. And, you know, and that's why you see, come and, you know, the magic that, uh, and that's not even the right word, the, um, the acumen and the understanding that it takes within a compensation plan to ensure that those dollars that are allocated, because that's the single largest line item on, an, on the expense side of a P&L, is a commission plan within any company. And are those dollars being put to the best possible purpose, uh, again, as a reward for those who are going out and selling product and those who are developing you know, sales leaders within those teams and training them on how to best go out and to sell and support a customer base. Um, and then the last one, and, and I'm really grateful for your time, and, and I think this has been a lot of valuable information. Uh, commandment number 10, have stars, uh, have stars and build leaders for the future. Yeah, this, this is a great one because it's, Usually there is a star that flings a company into hypergrowth. And you think about the star, I mean, think about it. It's, it's not, we're just all of a sudden we're there. There's a star and that star could be a product. And, and um, it, you know, that's usually where we said is that we've got a product and that product is what, and we've got the right timing or the right messaging or the introduction of that product that allows for us to grow. Um, we have stars who are distributors you know, that are our salespeople that understand what customers want and how to communicate with those customers. Uh, we then have stars who are the leaders that work with those salespeople. And then that star can even be the vision which a company has expressed. So it's, you know, if it's product, you know, we talk about having a star and building for the future. Uh, we have companies in this industry that are, you know, weight loss companies. And they don't just, you know, what is the life cycle of a weight loss product? You know, they, they have a product, but I think there's also a life cycle associated with that. So they identify the star, and at the same time, they're also starting to plan and try and identify what is the next star. Take a company. A company, as it looks at its distributor base, their metrics. Uh, we have leaders that are, to, that are today that are identifiable based on, again, product sales activity. But we're also trying to identify and establish relationships with those up and coming leaders, that next you know, wave that's going to come in and then continue to develop relationships with those. And, you know, I, I remember one company in the industry did a study a few years ago and they went out and they looked at I as a distributor, whose organization am I going to be more successful in your Kenny's organization or am I going to be more successful in someone else's organization? And so, you know, their understanding of, of who those people are. But, um, you know, we, we've got to look at um, powerful kind of um, replicatable strategies that give people, you know, just a, a real competitive advantage out in the marketplace and their ability. So, you know, and one of those stars when we talk about vision is to inspire people. There can't be hurt. There can't be negativity. We've got to sit here. Um, you know, we're not intimidating you know, these are part-time people. They're here uh, voluntarily, and they can leave voluntarily as well, too. So we need to build for the future, and we've got to identify those stars. Got to be positive, show people what their opportunities are, realistically what level of effort it takes for them 
to have success and whatever they define success to be. Because some, for some people, success is, guess what? I got my product paid for. For others, it's I want to make a few hundred dollars. So as we sit here, this goes back to as we grow, we want to make sure sometimes we're moving so fast that we can lose focus. We can't afford to lose focus. We can't lose track of what our vision is. We have to stay focused on that vision. And, and we're, again, an assessment of really of where we are. And even in hyper growth, we've got to sit here and we've got to look for the future because, again, that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time. Yeah, that's perfect. I appreciate that. And that and that really has to be a, a cultural mentality uh, because you've got to have people who aren't, uh, you know, black holes as opposed to stars where they're just consuming but not willing to let other people uh, step up and, and make a difference. Well, Steve, I, I greatly appreciate your time. Uh, we're, we're definitely going to have to have you back on the podcast uh, this has been been a lot of good info. Thank you. Thank you. Let's do this again. All right. So that's it for this episode of the MLM.com podcast. Uh, we want to thank Steve again for his time and also uh, thank Adam Holdaway and Jana Bangeter for production support. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll, we'll see you next time.